broadcasting from New York City, the superhero capital of the world, to wherever your earbuds may be. It's Matt and Brett Love Comics. Uh, this is one of your hosts, Matt. And this is your other host, Brett. I said one of, as if there's like several of us. There's really only the two of us. Well, we we can probably figure it out, right? <laughs> we haven't been rebooted yet. That's true. That's true. This isn't uh, this isn't Matt and Brett Love Comics point now. Yeah. Oh, point INF point in humanity point. Yeah. Point AU. Point, oh, jeez. More uh, like point FU. <clears throat> hey, oh, uh, I don't get whatever. Joke. I spent a lot of my morning getting into a really dumb uh, Twitter fight. <laughs> with a, what, what with, happened? Oh, stupid. I missed this. It's so stupid. I wrote an article about Fearless Defenders yesterday because it got canceled. Right. It was a great um, article. And yeah, and I, you know, one of my points was like follow the characters to new books. And then someone on Twitter uh, decided to be like, well, what if those new books are like Avengers Arena? And then I was like, if they're a well written book and the characters are not in limbo, I am happy. And then that apparently was the person's trigger word because they hate Avengers Arena and think that it's disrespectful and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mostly just really mad that just, oh, spoilers, not going to go there. Sorry. Oh, no, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, just, Twitter is so annoying. He called me, he said, because my whole thing was like, if a character dies in a way you don't like, that should not affect your love for that character or even the older stories because who cares? Because <laughs> they're comic books. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and that was not, that's not what he thought at all. You know, it's weird because... Like, I, f- I feel like it's it's like the gift and the curse of the way that continuity is going nowadays and the way that publishing the uh, the industry within the major two, like the big two at least, is it's sort of the beast that they've created is that whatever is current and within the purview of whatever the greater story is, is the only thing that matters. And even older stories don't matter. Even if they're in continuity, they don't matter. And yeah. it's it's a shame because it's almost um, – uh, it, it, it makes you – it forces everyone to be so present that you don't really get to enjoy how great uh, and how rich of history so many of these books and characters have. Yeah, and I think it's also – I mean you got to make your own decisions about what kind of reader you want to be. <laughs> Like, why is that guy still reading Avengers Arena? I know that my article was like, go support these characters if they're in new books. But if you end up not liking that book, you don't have to keep reading it. Um, but also one of my points was, things are going to change. Yeah, like, the, the char- change. These characters are not... The Fearless Defenders are going to show up in books in the future, and they're not going to be this version. And, you know, you have to let go of that in a way i mean i'm still okay, so you remember you remember when we were at heroes con and we were at the carol court panel yeah and the um the older gentleman stood up and had the problems with captain marvel's uh too much clothes costume yeah said that he didn't like that she wasn't in her bikini because that was it for him yeah and uh do you also remember how uncomfortable we were listening to that? Yeah, I'm glad that was but, the first question because it got that out of the way. But you know what, too? Like, Kelly Sudakonic had such a great point in her reaction to him, which was the market will dictate whether or not you are right or wrong. Oh, yeah. And if what we're doing is wrong with her, with the costume, with the direction, with the, with the point of view, then things will shake back down to you. 
Yeah, I mean, that's how it goes. And that's also the point I was making was like, because he kept saying things uh, like it took Carol t- 25 years to get over the, you know, the stupid rape thing in Avengers 200. Oh, sure. Um, but it's also like, yeah, but she got past it because that's what comic books do is people die, but they get better. And I'm sorry that your favorite character is going to be off the table for a while. He wasn't really on the table consistently over the past 10 years to begin with. Um, and you still have those stories and it's kind of as a fan, if you let a current bad story ruin past stories, that is all on you. Like, yeah, that is a hundred percent on you. The generation X kids have been screwed over way more than anyone in Avengers arena. Yeah, I, I agree. And I still read, you know, those old generation X issues and I love it. I still love those first 30 issues because those are still great stories. Yeah. And you know, you still have the stories like, you know, we're sort of talking about this now. They they made the announcement this week that, you know, the current run of Daredevil is going to end in a few months. And I was so sad when I read this that because this is like one of my top ten all-time favorite runs on oh, a yeah. book. It's, it's, a, it, it's like a modern classic. And I didn't want it to end, but it's going to and it sucks. But that means that I still have this. I can just go back and reread this and I still have this wonderful thing and it didn't overstay its welcome. No. And And there's no, there's like almost no other medium where we expect to have our things forever that we never wanted to stop. Like television shows end, movies end, franchises get rebooted, franchises end. And with comics, we're like, no, this needs to go on forever. But comics become this perpetual motion machine and, that, again, it's it's the victim of its own, uh, you know, format. And there's a lot of I mean, the, there's a whole episode we could dedicate to the numbering problem because I feel like there's a huge numbering problem with comic books. Like, yeah. Fios Defenders maybe should have been announced as a twelve issue ongoing, like a twelve issue thing. Yeah, uh, and then if on issue eleven they were like, I don't know, this is picking up steam. Take a six month break. Come back with a volume two. I don't, you know. Oh, you mean treat it like television, where you get a first thirteen, and then if yeah. it's going well on the first seven, then you get a back nine. Because yeah, kind of like that's in, a great idea. You know, in no way, Fearless Defenders. Who thought it was going to last? It's a great book, and I love it. <clears throat> but like the creators on it are not you know bendis like they're not a a list they're b list c list maybe i mean amazing creators this is like colin bunn's one of his first ongoings at marvel and maybe even will slaney's first work at marvel um and it's characters that no one knows and a concept that's totally untested the fact that it lasted 12 issues was a miracle it was so good it honestly was and it's you know why why like it's okay to be angry that it ends, but yeah. don't undercut what you experienced with it to this point by yeah. demeaning the fact that it existed in the first place. I guess is is what that's what confuses me. Yeah, there's um, God, so many. <laughs> I just we went off on a we went off on a tangent a little. Oh, but, we did. We <laughs> but, did. I mean, we're gonna these things are going to pop back up in today's discussion because it's just you and me, and we were doing a book club with. Um, I guess two of the, uh, we each picked one of our favorite books from the past six weeks or so, two months yeah. really. So this is one of the most up-to-date current, uh, discussions we've had, I would say. Yeah, you know, we usually don't do 
books that are that are that close. I mean, we did Thor: God of Thunder with um, with Chris Daniels, pretty close to publication date. Yeah, but we've true. never yeah. really done anything this current where it's almost like a single issue review episode. Yeah, and so we we each picked one, uh, one one each, um, and we can jump right in. <laughs> and uh, the book that I picked was uh, me exposing Matt, I guess, for the first time to a run that I haven't shut up about a lot. <laughs> Well, let's. You know what? Before we even jump into it, let's let's announce the book, announce the books and and sort of discuss yeah. the theory that you had about each of these because I really like it. Oh god, yeah. Well, you're 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 getting the fucking peek behind the curtain here, listeners. Uh, yeah. I picked Astonishing X Men number sixty seven by Marjorie Liu and uh, Emma Car Emma Carpena. Was it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> And you picked? I picked uh, Hawkeye, the latest issue of Hawkeye uh, by Matt Fraction and David Aja. Yeah. Number 13. Which was, yeah, 13. I guess I should have been specific there and said 13. And the, I, I say this is a dip into our psyche because the basically the protagonist of Astonishing X-Men number 67 is a girl named Wendy. And she's basically me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like she. That, that's why I think that this one issue of Astonishing X Men is perfect, is because it kind of encapsulates how every fan feels about the X Men. Uh, yeah, and you feel similarly about Hawkeye, I would imagine. Yeah, uh, I, I think that there are some there's some things that happen in this story, and just sort of, I don't know. I think this is. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I, I'll I'll leave it at that for now. When we get to it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to it. When we get to um. It. So yeah, this is the penultimate issue of Marjorie Lou's run, and it went about twenty issues, and it was uh, it was all this quality. I think it it started off there was a lot of big arcs, but then she would also dive off into these tinier stories, and I really really like that her last three issues were these very tiny stories that feel like Claremont X Men stories from the eighties updated to modern day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm, I don't have a lot of experience with Marjorie Liu's work and the experience that I've had, I've noticed that she does, she does really like quiet character stuff incredibly well. Oh yeah. Uh, she, she gets, she gets introspection. Yeah. And, and I love that, that, that she brought that to the X-Men because, the X-Men for a long time have been... I mean, as they're one of Marvel's flagship books, they're, of course, they have to always be having the most important event ever happening right now. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, and it's it's all it's all Extinction Agenda and no... Or it's all Executioner Song and no... The issue after Executioner Song where Jubilee helps Professor X walk, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think you need you need the smaller issues. I don't know if an issue like Astonishing Number Sixty Seven could even be published um, in the bigger books. I mean, that's also not to say that. I mean, Bendis has done some really quiet, awesome things in All New X Men, but that's you know another title. But it, it, it's almost the difference there, and the difference that I feel between these two books, comparing them as like current current books within the franchise is that um again there's like just this pedal to the floor feeling and this constant need yeah. to be relevant and now in all new x-men and that's not to 
it's not to say it isn't great, but this feels almost like uh, like a breath of fresh air comparatively. <clears throat> yeah, and it's um, I mean, the plot of the issue it's basically told through the point of view of a girl named Wendy, um, mm-hmm. like an eighteen-year-old girl from Indiana, I do believe, who is of mixed race. She is the only. She says, "Me, my mom, and my sister are the only black people in this entire town." <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so she herself feels like an outcast because of that. And she is a big X-Men fan. And she, you know, wishes she was a mutant. She wishes she could go to this school. She basically, I mean, she's every X-Men fan when they were in high school. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's why everyone relates to the X-Men is because we all feel like an outcast um, at some point or another. And the X-Men just tap on, tap into that. Uh, and lo and behold... Wolverine and Gambit come into town because they're tracking this alien <laughs> that, you know, turns out to be in Gambit's trunk, and then they all get taken up to the spaceship. And then <clears throat> Wendy's, um, Adder- like, the mother of this alien is worried that the X-Men tried to hurt it, but then it looks in Wendy's mind and sees how much respect Wendy has for these superheroes and basically learns about, you know, the culture of Earth superheroes. And it's like, oh, the X-Men treated my son fine. Or my child, fine. Eh, you're all good. <laughs> it just drops them off. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a very straightforward, simple plot, but the emotion in it is so amazing. And when you get to the last page, uh, oh, and Wendy looks at her college application forums, and she looks down at a note that Wolverine left that says, "Once an X Man, always an X Man. You're not alone, kid." Yeah. Uh, and then she's like, and then she starts filling out her college application forms. I think that was outstanding like i read that and i just my heart just like burst (laughs) in a good way yeah you know it almost feels like uh like you hit it right on the head this is the sort of thing that um it's like oh what if what if they literally showed up on your doorstep and she says towards the end after they've sort of come down off of this adventure with this alien she's talking and she's upset She's like telling them about how she feels and how she feels like an outcast. And she says, yeah. this is what I know. And I've always thought if I feel alone here and how could it be any better where everything is unfamiliar, who will want me? I'm not special if I really was a mutant and if I had powers. And, you know, it, it's it's how I think a lot of people feel growing up. Yeah. Uh, especially as, you know, as someone who's, you know, very invested in geek culture or, or doesn't, you know, isn't the in the popular train at school. Yeah. And we both I mean, we both come from smaller towns and we moved to New York City. Yeah. Which I think is another part of this that I really related to was her just wanting to get away. I mean, she's talking to her older sister who's like you know, settled. Uh, she's still in the hometown. She's not going anywhere. She's engaged to a guy who's probably a great guy. They don't pass any judgment on her fiance, but they do pass judgment on the fact that his grandfather was a KKK member. Right. It's like you, you know, she's basically says to her older sister, you're fine with staying in, you know, this culture, like just two generations ago, the KKK was still around here and strong here. And you're fine with not, you know, you don't have any ambition to leave this place. Um, and Wendy does, but she's terrified. And that's how yeah. I feel like, I mean, I definitely felt that before moving to New York. You know, it, 
it's weird because if you're a person with ambition, with that comes fear. It, because you're you're excited and you're fired up and you 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 believe within yourself that you're not necessarily destined, but you have this idea in your head of what you want your life to be, but you don't know how to get there, and it's scary and it's very easy to doubt yourself in those moments. Uh, and you know, especially at a turning point in your life where she is in this story, like it's, it's literally, it feels like you're constantly on, uh, on like a, you're in a revolving door. Like you don't yeah. know where to get off and you don't know which choice is going to be the right choice to make for the rest of your life. And I think part of that too is like how our society sort of holds up this time in people's lives. Like, why is it that when you're 18, it's time to make the decision of what you're going to yeah. be for the rest of your life? Like, yeah. I look back at 18, and hell, I look back at two years ago, and I'm like, what the hell did I even know then? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and the fact that the fact that we look at people and just because what there's this arbitrary con the, the arbitrary educational construct that we've just stepped out of high school and we've just stepped away from people that mostly we are forced to be around and kind of make us miserable like <laughs> and and after that it's like well we threw you we threw you in a shark tank with a bunch of shitty people and now you have to decide what you want to be with your life now like, now you can't waste like, time you have to get out of college in 4 years yeah yeah you also you also have 1000 words to express it and uh, and it's due it's due at a certain point. And then if we think if we decide that we like what you say you want to do with your life, then you get the privilege of paying us, you know, yeah. forty to sixty thousand dollars yeah. to uh, possibly do that with your life. And now you see the way you uh, frame it, Wendy is a superhero for just filling out those college applications. It's well, a it's it, a daunting task. <laughs> it, you know, it really is. It's. It's ridiculous, and it's so much pressure to put on people that are literally. And I mean, honestly, too, if you look at the sort of the sort of idea of of humans as evolving creatures and coming out of puberty and everything like that, like your teenage years and and, and puberty are literally one of the most confusing parts of any human's life, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're supposed to like you're supposed to come out of that and be like, well, well, all right, I know what I want to do with my life. Are you kidding? <laughs> uh, and of course, like, okay, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, because I want to I want to know this because you really like you really I think hit it on the head. And as I was reading this, um, and you sort of described it that way, it makes sense. What What were you feeling when you flipped through this the first time? I, I every like I picked it because it's one of the most I don't know uh, emotionally affecting comics I've read in so long because like that's I have I don't I'm trying to honestly think if I've ever read a better distillation of everything the X Men are than than this one issue, uh, and that that's what was going through my head the entire time was just like this character is saying almost word for word everything that I say when I talk about you know why I love the X-Men and how the X-Men like were my only friends from like third to ninth grade. Like I yeah. was actively made fun of all the time. I had my own like 
social anxiety issues um, I, that I could not work through. I was very angry and alone. And the only thing I had were the X-Men and comic books. And mm-hmm. to you know meet this character who was, on top of that, also trying to get out of her small town or, or just figure out a way, you know, to live. Uh, yeah. It all just, like, hit me so hard. Uh, and and the X-Men books are doing that a lot more lately, I think. Um, like, I mean, I'll cite the speech that Bendis had Kitty give um, about <clears throat> about being Jewish. And about, like, the how, like, the first boy she ever had a crush on in high school, like, used a yeah. derogatory, you know, uh, a word, a derogatory word towards Jewish people in front of her. And she immediately, like, it's like that kind of stuff. I love reading that kind of stuff. I love when these characters get into that meaty, you know, that media, like, inner, inner turmoil, inner self, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. self-acceptance, social justice, like, issue stuff. Because that's what the X-Men are all about. And it's not only about the mutant metaphor. It's also about, like, the real things. Like, strip away the metaphor. It's also the fact that, like, Kitty Pride's Jewish. This, you know, Wendy is half black in a city where there are no other black people. You know? Mm-hmm. It's so... It's just so affecting. Um, Do you Marjorie, feel like... Go ahead. Go I don't know. It's just like Marjorie Lee's entire run is just... It's just, you know, filled with stuff like that. It's just great. Yeah, she well, well again like I like I kind of uh, touched upon earlier. She like this whole thing is just big meaty character uh, character development and discussion. You know, it's it's really like literally the last few pages are them sitting down and yeah, talking, just, just having a good old talk. It's just so- and going back to that same speech on the next to last page. Um, where she says, I'm not special. If I really was a mutant, if I had powers, um, you know, Wolverine puts his arm around her and says, character is its own power, kid. You demonstrated <laughs> plenty today. Yeah. You, and this, this right here, you saved our lives. You communicated with an alien ship. What can't you do? Where can't you go? Ugh. And I like I want to put those well, last two sentences on a billboard and just well, and like even, hang it everywhere. Yeah, what she says after that, I want to belong, Mister Wolverine. I don't want to be an outsider anymore. That's what the X Men are to me, you know—a place to belong and be accepted. <laughs> like, oh god, yeah, that's fucking. That's it right there. It's almost like anyone that wants to write the X Men, I don't know, needs to read this one issue. <laughs> I agree. This is uh, this is such a distillation. I mean, in. This is what I love about this, too, is we are just talking about the discussions that they had. We are barely discussing the actual action that happened in this story. The weird alien ship thing. Uh, Is that that a, uh, oh, what's it called? That alien looks like uh, Corrin Gray. No, what's the, oh, it's like a Doctor Strange. It's like a weird eye with all the tentacles. You're talking about like Cthulhu or no? It's a Doctor Strange villain. I had to write about it for work a couple months oh. ago, and he's uh It's like a do, but yeah, jeez. Oh, I feel like an issue title of a comic that came out on Wednesday used its name was. It's like Kulin Gorath or Shuma oh, Shuma oh. Gorath. Yeah, Shuma Gorath. Is that it? It's either it's it's either um no, it's not Kulin Gath because that's that the was that weird. Conan yeah, Ugh. yeah. It's a Shuma Gorath. Uh... <laughs> 
Yeah, Shuma Gorth, because uh, Shuma Gorth was in uh, one of the um, Marvel vs. Capcom games, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, that, I mean, it looks like a little one of those. I don't know if it is, but that's what it looks like. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, the art, too, also really. The art by, by Alma Carpina, who I'm not, who's, who did a lot of this, him and Gabriel Hernandez Walta did a lot of the work after um, Mike Perkins left. Yeah. <clears throat> and but also like the the color by Chris Peter, the colors on this are just are just stunning. Um, the double very... page spread. I mean, well, the page where they're getting abducted by the alien spaceship, and there's just like this um, like Christina Strain Runaways esque bursts of color everywhere, mm-hmm. and it's so gorgeous. And then the double page spread where the alien is sucking into Wendy's mind. You yep. get this double page spread of just the Marvel universe of like Storm and Wolverine and Spider Man and the Hulk, and it's colored in this lovely like muted green, green tones, and the line work is so good. Yeah, yeah. This really, this really reminds me of the sort of like color work that not as vibrant, not as like vibrantly bright, but a lot of like what you see in like Matt Wilson's work in uh, yeah. in Young Avengers and. You know, it's it's very clean and it's very uh, uh, it's very distinct. And I like the sort of I'm trying to think of like an emotional word that I'm connecting with yeah. it. And I want to say warm, but it's it also has like a like all of the greens and blues give it almost like a like a cooling effect to that warmth. Yeah, it feels. I mean, it. I mean, okay, it kind of feels like it was. <laughs> it kind of feels like the color palette of like good memories yeah like it, it like it's touching into nostalgia in a way uh and i think that's perfect for this story too yeah it's uh it's 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 just really good and i also love the character design um of wendy also is so distinct that i feel like you could start a wendy sketchbook oh yeah because like, i mean she has such a clear distinct look um that for a character that's probably only ever going to appear in this one issue, mm-hmm. like a lot of work went into her. <laughs> yeah, she could carry her own series. I want to read that series. I want to read Wendy goes to college in New York. <laughs> she goes to NYU, and she keeps running into superheroes. I'll read that. Yeah, and she learns that she's her own superhero, and, and she doesn't get powers. She doesn't fight anyone, but she learns that her character. Her ambition are her superpowers, and she's going to make the dean's list, and she's going to get good internships. I want to read that book. <laughs> you know, saying that you you make me think of something, and I don't think this is. It, I don't mean this as any like disrespect to anything that our that the way our parents raised us and stuff. But sometimes I wonder if I wasn't more because I think like you and I were so so deeply entrenched in like the the comics that we loved when we were kids. I often wonder if I was raised more by superheroes. <laughs> I <laughs> I know, I mean the I mean the fantasy worlds that I escaped to helped me out a lot. Well, I but you know, you you just described what the X-Men are to you. And I look at like what your career is right now too. And and they seem they seem to overlap so much like it really does feel like those were the lessons that you took away and and 
again, like no disrespect to your family or anything, but if you were to describe Brett White to me, I think that I, I would use I, I would use those terms more so than I would use terms that that you would use to describe uh, your own family back in Tennessee. I mean. If my family ever discovers this podcast, <laughs> uh, I do want them to know that they inspire me a lot. Um, of course. <laughs> I mean, they bought me all these comics. But also, like, the good thing that my parents... My parents did... Um, Wendy has bad... She, ha- she has... She has parents whose backs are against a wall. She has a dad whose job was... Uh, taken away because Iceman got these crazy godlike powers in the previous arc and fucked up the weather for the entire planet. So her dad's like out of a work and has had to become a janitor. Like they're much more harried and put upon and kind of have a reason, a shitty justification to hate mutants or shitty justification to look at them with, uh, uh, skewed. Um, there's never a right reason to be prejudiced against anyone. So I'm not justifying that. But they have their own weird internal logic. Uh, my parents, like, really helped me. Uh, they listened. Anytime I would, like, I remember getting those, the Pizza Hut roundtable discussions. Mm-hmm. The, the VHS, like, when they had, like, the, the talk with Stan Lee and Scott Lobdell and Bob Harris and Fabian Nicieza. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I remember making my parents watch them for some reason, like... So I wanted to show them that the X-Men was more than just fighting and that it was about, you know, I remember one of them was about gender equality because I remember the, the writers all talking about, isn't this like super cool that in this one episode it is like Storm, Rogue, and Wolverine, and, like Cyclops. So I remember yeah. like showing my parents like, look, like positive portrayals of women and also, uh, you know, they're standing up for minorities and stuff. I remember like talking to my parents about that stuff and them always like listening and encouraging and never telling me to stop reading comics. My mom was always like, I just want him reading. <laughs> yep. Which I will always, you know, thank them for. Uh, I feel like I get a lot more out of X-Men than, I don't know, than what most religions give people, maybe. Yeah, it's, uh... okay, yeah, I think it would be a better way to, to sort of describe it. Like, I don't necessarily mean that, like, all of your values come from it, but... <laughs> You know, it, it it seems like I don't know. This is a it's a deep it's a deep issue. Yeah, and I don't think necessarily think there's anything wrong with it. No. You know. Yeah, and it's a I don't know. It's a test. This this one uh, issue of Astonishing X Men is like a testament to what comics can do and what they mean. Uh, and why they're fucking art, right? Jeez. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> heavy <laughs> hey. stuff yeah. tonight um, but you know again too like it's it's to marjorie Lou's credit that she's able to sort of unpack these discussions from a from us from a 22 page 20 probably only 20 because that's the i just got oh, really right. i'm gonna prove my point <laughs> my yeah. finger got to wagging it's only 20 pages good sir <laughs> <laughs> we're paying a dollar more for two less pages um yeah you so, can't stay here wendy this place isn't good for you <laughs> her dad says to him or her dad says to her rather oh that's so good oh no thor fell over sorry i i knocked that's over okay. my, i knocked over my thor mini mate uh so yeah um 
my Thor mini-mate bumped into my Hawkeye mini-mate. Uh-oh, good transition. Good transition. So, what, what do you, why did you pick, uh, why did you pick Hawkeye 13? Well, to me, I think the best books on the market lately have easily been Daredevil and Hawkeye. I think what Matt Fraction's <laughs> doing on Hawkeye is, and I'll say this because... We, we sort of had this discussion last summer when they announced a Hawkeye book. I was not interested. Ah. I've never sort of been interested. I've never found a hook into Clint Barton. And I feel like any time anyone had ever written him. Are you a they, Han Solo guy? Are you a yeah. Luke Skywalker guy? No, no. I'm, no, I'm a, I'm a Han guy. Okay. But here's the thing. I felt like any time and, and anytime anyone had ever written Hawkeye, I felt like... Uh, it was a writer trying to do that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can kind of see that. Yeah. This, this run and fraction writing this book feels like, I don't, I don't know. It is. This feels like a fully realized person to me. <clears throat> yeah. Clint Barton is just flawed and funny. He screws up, and he doesn't like. You know, he has responsibilities. Like God, I just don't want it, and. I, I don't know. There's there's something about this character and the way that they're that they're portraying him here that just it touches something in me. And maybe it's where I am in my life right yeah, now. Yeah, that's I don't know. if you were. I mean, if you were, you know, twelve or thirteen, do you think this book would hold resonance? You know, I don't. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't think it would for me. Though, so, when I was a teen. When I was like a young teen and around that age, I like I was super broody. I was super broody, and I like you know I've sort of taught it in the past, but like my home life at that time wasn't super great, and I was way into like at that time that was like around the Clone Saga, and yeah, Peter Parker was super moody and broody at that time too, and I just like. <clears throat> Since I had just been dialed in to Spider-Man, and so when you were dialed into the X-Men, uh, since I was a child, like it felt like, oh, Peter Parker's going through the same stuff I am, and I'm confused, and what are these hairs on my body? And Will they let uh, me stick to walls? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, keep, I, I keep trying to climb, failing, and ugh. But this feels like, this this feels like, a book where you're watching an adult try to be a superhero and all of the we're, we're getting to see everything that happens around it like in the very uh, the very first page is trying to write something and then getting a page that the avengers need him he opens up his closet and then the first panel on the next page is the aftermath of whatever they whatever it happened yeah and I, I love that. This is great. Like, like it's always on the first page. It says this is what he does when he's not being an, an Avenger. And that's and, what they're showing you. <laughs> yeah, like they're literally showing you. It's like, well, he was an Avenger and now he's not an Avenger anymore. He's a guy picking himself up off the ground, talking to Natasha and Jessica. And, you know, they, do, they are a team and they have to, they have to deal with being a team. And, you know, we've... We found out the last few issues that, you know, Clint hooked up 
with this with this woman and he was supposedly dating Jessica at the time and he screwed he's screwing up his relationship the look she gives him the David Aja draws the center panel on page three uh, that look like I Mm -hmm. love that he starts to say her name he goes and just stops and not only that like you see Natasha in the background she knows they're like too they're super close and she's just looking down like dude yeah little boy (laughs) And then his ex-wife walks in. I also love the fact that this series doesn't shy away from his supporting cast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in a way, and that's what this issue is kind of about, the last couple issues that have all taken place at the same time period. Like, this book is called Hawkeye, and it's therefore about any character that's ever called themselves Hawkeye. Yeah. Because both Kate Bishop and Barney Barton... You know, by the end of this issue, like, they have, you know, they go through some meaty stuff as well. I mean, the last issue, I think, was the Barney Barton origin story. Um, yeah. And I love that. I love that this is, like, Hawkeye about Clint Barton, but just as much about everyone else. Yeah. And if you're, if you're someone who has been reading Hawkeye, there's, there's, like, an added value to this issue as well, where this is finally the climax of a story that we've been sort of dancing around for four months where we've we've sort of seen the same story from four or five different angles. Yeah, there was the. Uh, I mean, Kate had an angle. Um, the clown, the killer clown, had an angle. Lucky the dog had an angle. Barney had one, and now Clint's have one. Like that's like there's like five or six. Yeah, uh, I tried to map out chronologically how all this maps out, and it's insane. It's like the end of issue eleven leads into the beginning of issue nine, and it's you know it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah, and it's this book is. You know, really pushing, like what the what the major two can do with superheroes and how they can approach storytelling. I, I think that you know, I had said recently that I thought that this was one of the most innovative comics that that Marvel's putting out, and someone had like challenged me, like, "Oh, what about such and such book from another company?" And it's like, yeah, there there are. There are really great um, cutting-edge books coming out from Image, and there are amazing books like coming out from, you know, e- even IDW and Boom. Like everyone's putting out, yeah, like like they're they're pushing the envelope. But when you look at it like this, this is like this is like saying like Paramount put something out like this, and you don't expect or like like NBC oh, gets yeah. away with putting a show that's like an amazing critical indie hit, like like you know. Hannibal, yeah, the the show like, Hannibal. Wait a second, what? Yeah, people love it. Yeah, made it to air on NBC, and how did that happen? Or like that the fact that Community is still on the air on NBC. Yeah, right. Like the ratings may be low, but it's it's still there. And how and does that continue the to crazy make... thing? Yeah, the crazy thing with Hawkeye though is like it's actually a fairly successful book sales wise. Like it's like this yeah. weird first time where actual critical acclaim, fan acclaim also a good book, is also, like, selling well enough that you can see Hawkeye's influence in almost all of All New Marvel now. Yeah. Like, I mean, the She-Hulk book and the Black Widow book especially have Hawkeye bandied about a lot, you know, surrounded. Because, like, Javier Polito is doing the art, you know, on uh, on She-Hulk. And then the Black Widow book, it also, like, this is what's what she does when she's not an Avenger. Except when Black Widow's not an Avenger, she's an assassin. <laughs> like, it's like when Clint Barton isn't an Avenger, he's, like, just trying to clean up. 
his life. Yeah. Oh, God. Trying to clean up the his page, life. And... The page of him just drinking at the TV. Oh, yeah. And you only know that time is passing because of the growing stack of bottles and the disconnected uh, TV sound bites. Yeah. It's <clears throat> yeah. amazing. This is... And trying, like, trying to put together his life, I, like, not to get grandiose about whatever I'm doing with whatever the hell my life is, but I I connect with this on a, on such a level lately of just living in New York and trying to continue to pursue a creative like a creative career and being, being an adult and it not, it not always working the way that you hoped it would and dedicating so much of your time to it because you know, you have to, because you have to dedicate this much time to it to get in you want to be. And then in those quiet moments when you turn around and there's nothing like you turn around and you, Oh shit, I have, not pay attention to what my actual life is in so long that it's a complete mess. Yeah. That panel where he's standing in his pajamas with his shoulders slumped, looking at his phone ringing, and he just says, I hate you. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it's so good and so true. And there's another one. Isn't there another one towards the end where it's like, I'll kill you or something to the phone? Yeah. It's gonna happen again like Yeah, no, I'm he answers the phone, I'm going to murder you when he's coming home from the funeral. Yep. Um now and, um this issue takes place in the aftermath of Grill's unexpected death. Uh one of the yeah. te- one of the tenants in his apartment building. Yeah, and Grills, who is a guy that again, like Hawkeye decided on a whim to take on the responsibility of owning building and making sure that these people are okay right and then he realizes that he doesn't have 100 percent have the time that he needs to to dedicate to them they by thinking that he's protecting them he winds up putting them in more danger than if he would have never done that in the first place and now there's a casualty that is his fault that isn't that isn't really like Something that that is like Grills got drug into something that he didn't even realize he was being drug into. Yeah, and now he's gone. I love that the um, when we the only reason that we get one of I think one of the most affecting pages in this book is because of Hurricane Sandy, uh, because Hurricane Sandy hit and Matt Fraction, you know, they turned around issue seven, I do believe, in a month. Yeah, uh, and that was and Matt Fraction. I feel like said like that was not a story I was going to tell. Uh, we were never going to meet Grills' dad. Like all that stuff was not going to happen, and it happened because of Hurricane Sandy. And because of that, we get this page in this issue of Clint going back to New Jersey to the Jersey Shore and telling his dad in person. And he says, "I just didn't want him to hear about it on the phone." Is all I didn't want him to be alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's hugging him from far away. He's just, just like this old sad man. Ugh. It, it's there are a couple. That is an incredibly powerful page, and it's silent up to there. It's nine panels, and it's it's silent until they hug, and it just 
the entire issue is nine panel grids. Oh, it is. You're right. I didn't notice it until it was pointed out in iFanboy. I love that. Yeah. Like, God, and and David Aja is so good at, like, storytelling that he he just picks the right body language and the right moment to 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 show you with all these characters mm-hmm. that that there's no wasted space there's no like these aren't these aren't panels that are like delaying something these aren't panels that are trying to like trying to put more story in like all of them are necessary and every choice that he makes feels like the right choice for the story yep and there's a there's a, a another page two pages after that that to me is just devastating because it's something that we've sort of wondered about with these two characters with Kate Bishop yeah. and and Clint Barton like what is what are what what is happening here what's happening between these two there's been this sort of dance and you know that Clint isn't there and I didn't I didn't expect this. I really didn't think we were going to get this. I did not think we were going to get this ever from these two. And now we know why she left. Yeah. And spoiler spoiler shields up, but they're in the they're in the hearse and they're sitting there and she she says his name, Kate says his name and she says I don't even know where to start. I'm here. I'm here for you, okay? No matter what. You can scream and you can yell and you can be as self-destructive as you want because I know you're going to be here for me when it's my turn to fall apart. (laughs) God, let them come. Let every last one of those tracksuit-wearing, subverbal, bullying, murderous scumbags come at us because you and me together, together, Clint, I think you and me are the person we both wish we could be. And I know that person. I know that person's worth something. And I know that person can pretty much do anything she reaches out and she grabs his hand and she turns and she says you with me partner and he's fucking sleeping yeah and he's mumbling sandwiches (laughs) and i felt like i didn't know if i wanted to cry or laugh out loud yeah it's almost like he has this genetic disability where he cannot do the right thing like right dude like i understand he is exhausted he's been through hell his friend is dead because of him like if he wants to cock some z's like i'm not gonna begrudge him that it's just the fact that he did it then it's like the fact that his own i don't know internal sleep clock was like nah now's the time to fall asleep it's like he can't his body won't even let him do the right thing i you know it's 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 so perfect and horrible the older I get, and I don't know if it's – and again, too, it's I think how this affected me, which of course is what any interpretation of art is, right? But, you know, I I feel like the older I get, like I have no idea sometimes how the hell you're supposed to be an adult. And I feel like <laughs> I there – there are so many times where I feel like I, I don't know how to make the right decision in a moment. And God, it, this is just – devastating and there's there's so much character build in this story and then we see Katsuyu for like a second and yeah. at the at the funeral and you just know that whatever's happening whatever's going to come next is going to be bad 
it's this is this is not even a calm it's just a quiet before a storm and oh man it's gonna get worse it's gonna you know this is the this is the first issue i think where he doesn't say okay this looks bad (laughs) and it's it may be the worst (laughs) even his dog leaves yeah yeah Oh, yeah. he, he has that quiet moment after he answers the phone later. He looks at Lucky and just says, Aww. bite my neck, Luck. Just just chomp down on it as hard as you can, okay? And the next panel is Lucky licking his face. Oh. Yeah. Pizza dog. Pizza dog. Um, so with the, with the departure of Kate, who the book is going to be splitting up every other issue, Kate, Clint... Which we also now learn that Barney was in the bathroom yeah. as that scene was happening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now we have, I guess, Barney is going to be the co-lead of the Hawkeye stories, you know. So, yeah. And that is fascinating. I love, because Barney is a bad guy. I mean, he's been on the Dark Avengers for a long I mean, he's, you know, moral gray. But I, I love that when Clint is taking Barney up to the roof for the, you know, the grill, um... I love that he they they come on to the roof and Clint is mid conversation just like threatened to kill me or Bobby I don't know you threatened to kill somebody like I love that <laughs> it's like he's bringing up old pastimes except those pastimes included his brother trying to kill him yeah. or or someone I don't know I love that yeah. <laughs> I also like the bad guy kind of makes Clint see what happened clearly too like after Kate leaves yeah. He's standing there, and Barney comes down and goes, "Hey!" And she's and Clint goes, "She took my dog, man." And Barney just goes, "No, looks like the dog left to me." It's like, oh. yeah, yeah. You didn't. It's it. It was the dog's decision. Yeah. She didn't tell. She didn't force the dog to leave. And oh man, oh, there's so much in this. This is just one of the best books. Oh wait, and that's that's Grills' dad manning the grill, isn't it? Yeah. You. I didn't notice that until now. (laughs) He's going to, yeah. Oh, Oh, man. Jeez. And the second that Barney shows up, everyone in the building says, welcome. You know, he he tries to engage himself, and they don't even let him not engage himself. Yeah, And they just pull him in. Ugh. Yeah, that's a tearjerker. (laughs) God, like the, and then the, we just slowly pull out quietly on the thing because you realize too that that the building is just as important a character in this story. Oh yeah, I mean the people in it. Give me that playset, Hasbro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hawkeye apartment building playset. Ugh. Well, I'm I'm emotionally spent after those two books. <laughs> yeah, seriously, and. Uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating. You said that this is just sort of a peek into both of our psyches, and I, I think you're right. Um, <laughs> God, it's. I think I think for all of the heaviness in Hawkeye too, it it ends it because it does. It ends with Clint sort of walking away from everything and and staring off and just kind of everything that's happening. And God. Yeah, I it like like it feels like Astonishing X Men is where you feel like 
you want your life to go, you know, and, and when you're, when you're down and you don't know what direction you're going to go in or how the rest of your life is going to out, the pressures that everyone else puts on you to make those decisions at that time. And then you make the decision and then this book sort of feels like, whoops, that was the wrong one. (laughs) You're like, but is it even the wrong one? Is it's like you, you have, right decision wrong decision you will always have to deal with yeah the fallout of whatever decision that you made and this is this is a lot of people doing just that this is like 10 10 years later you know you're in the middle of it you're in the middle of your career and you know for better or worse this is what you've chosen to do with your life and you know you have to whether or not you have to constantly pick up the pieces or if you have to how do you balance it and sometimes it's not sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it isn't and the thing that you can keep doing is just move forward and hope for the oh boy yeah yeah i say all this and i'm looking around in my new office of just all of my stuff i'm just like yeah i've dedicated my life to this weird weird industry yeah but it's what you wanted to do I should have been a doctor. I would have been a horrible doctor. Should you have been a doctor? No, I would have been a horrible doctor. Also, a good thing about my parents is they never cared what I did. They never forced me to do literally anything. And I guess it's because I have parents that didn't get to do what they wanted to do. And they always, so like, yeah. Yeah, you know, my dad, my dad, for better or worse, was always like that too. He always told me, like, that was one thing that he always distilled in me. It was like you have to, you have to go for it. If you're gonna, if you're gonna say that you're gonna do something, you have to do it. You can't sit around and think about it, because the longer that you think about it, the less chances you have, the less opportunity that you have given yourself to do it. Yeah, and that's not to say you can't ever start tomorrow, but you have to start. You have to start sometime. Should be now. And he didn't, yeah, and he didn't do that. And he, I think he always regretted that. I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm as obstinate as I am about what I'm trying to do. You know? <laughs> We're making it happen. 2013. Uh, you know, um, I think we are, man. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, <laughs> hope everyone's enjoying your commute. <laughs> <laughs> wherever you are uh, we got real heavy you guys this is the thing it's like when you, when you pick like what is the best comic you've read in the past couple of months isn't it always going to be something like this isn't it always going to be the reason that you love a thing or react to it so strongly is because it like gets to you in some deep subconscious way that's why I keep coming back to this stuff like sure some of it is like popcorn entertainment for me and I, you know, this is how I choose to spend my popcorn entertainment dollars, you know, with like big, big swashbuckling action and stuff yeah. like that. And I don't think that's anything different than going to see White House down, right? Yeah, which not a lot of people did. <laughs> Boom. But, but then I keep, writers and artists keep finding ways to pull me in and tell stories that still continue to resonate with me even as an adult yeah and that's what this and that's what this was i think both of these that's what these were yeah it's 
That's why I keep coming back. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, so um, next week we promise to tackle even harder issues. We're just gonna we're just gonna keep going That's down the rabbit hole and we're crying every issue. The rest of 2013, Barbara Walters moments every week. <laughs> <laughs> crying um <laughs> uh but yeah thanks everyone for uh listening um as always thank you and you know we're we were talking about like what we're doing with our lives and and i feel like we can't thank you guys enough for for listening to this show and continuing to support us on facebook and on twitter and just reaching out and telling us what you think of the episodes for better or worse honestly it it, if no one was listening, we wouldn't we wouldn't have this. Yeah, I mean, you could still do it and just like just delete the recordings right after, <laughs> <laughs> and that could happen. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Um, I don't know. I'm just creeped out by the idea of us like. Record it. It's like it's going a through all this problem, going through all this process of getting the recording equipment set up, and like having a producer, but we're just throwing the yeah. files away. So I'm yeah. glad people are listening to them. <laughs> yeah, it it it's something that you guys do, and you know, yeah. I don't. I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here, except thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're interested in purchasing either Astonishing X Men number sixty seven. Or Hawkeye number 13, you can go to mattandbrettlovecomics.com and you can either buy them on Comixology or you can pre-order the trades that they will be packaged in through the Amazon links in this episode's show notes. Because even though the issues just came out, I'm pretty sure those trades have already been solicited because that's how that works. Uh, Any purchase you make on Amazon through our online store kicks a little bit of money back to us and we love having money. It's a true thing. It's a true thing. Look, that's the the non... uh, you know, righteous nature of our <laughs> of our existence as well. Yeah. Fucking money. While you're at Matt and Brett Love Comics.com, you can check out some of our back issues, like the time I talked to Jim Gibbons and Josh Wiggler, who told us some tales about their time at Wizard Magazine. Or when we talked to Timmy Wood about Richard Stark's Parker, The Hunter by Darwin Cook, which was exactly a year ago. That's crazy. Oh man, that was a year ago? Yeah. Oh boy. A long time ago. <laughs> Such a great book. That's awesome. I need to actually finish reading all the rest of them. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, you can uh, you can you can read them on my Comicsology if you'd yeah. like. Uh, I have the I have the nice hardcover editions. I just haven't read them yet. I have I, I buy things and don't read them is my thing. That's my superpower. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as as we mentioned earlier, we do love hearing from all of our listeners. So just tell us what you think about this or any past episode on our website or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash they love comics. Or you can visit our Tumblr at mattandbrettlovecomics.tumblr.com. Dot com. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to chat with us on Twitter, you can find all that information on the Who Loves Comics tab on mattandbrettlovecomics.com. You know, you guys are our best spokespeople, so if you're on the iTunes, please leave a review. Please. Uh, please, uh, you know, fold a note and hide it in a new comic that says, hey, have you heard about mattandbrettlovecomics.com? Um, although I'm sure the proprietors of your comic store wouldn't appreciate that. Uh, maybe, you know, write it in marker on the front of uh, the bubble of an action figure that's hanging on the uh, end cap 
<laughs> at your local store. Deface property in yeah, our name. Uh, do us a favor and be the Banksy of advertising for our shows. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, as always, thanks to our producer, Ben Regeeb, who does everything we don't know how to do. It's true. Oh, boy. You are the pizza dog to our Hawkeyes. You are the Wendy to our Gambit and Wolverine, okay. I guess. Because that first one implied that he's just going to run off to L.A. Maybe he will. No, don't. Ben. I'm on too many teams and organizations with you. Don't leave. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening uh, to this lighthearted, fun romp through our psyches. Yeah. Uh, and if you have any questions, please hit us up. Thoughts, comments, concerns, we love to yeah. hear from you. Especially uh, if you've read these issues and felt anywhere close to how we did. That would be a great bonding exercise. Let's talk about them feels, y'all. Yeah, let's do that. So, until next time. This is Matt. And this is Brett. We, we love, love comics, comics. Even though comics hurt us in a good way. In a good way. It hurts <laughs> so good. Oh, John Mellencamp, you were so prophetic. Aww. Johnny Cougar.